Morning, Kate. Good morning. I can see the sunlight shining off of your face. So it's yeah. clearly as sunny down in your part of the world as it is in mine. Sunny and snowy. Yes. Yeah. Snowy here too, which just makes it a little special, I think. It does. Because you see all the glistening of the of the icicles and what have you. So it's just so it's a reminder of how much beauty there is if we just take the time to look at it. Absolutely. And talking about taking the time, I um, took some time to look at some research that had come from one of the, the, the tools that I really value. Um, and it's the Leadership Circle. And they very much focus on helping leaders in particular, but all of us, understand our you know limiting beliefs and where our assumptions come from and just the impacts both on us as human beings but also on those people that we work with uh, and one of the um one of the elements that that really has come to mind is they very much focused on the effectiveness of leadership particularly from a scaling perspective which is an interesting topic because if we think about a definition of a leader is is based on our ability to build capacity create self-mastery and then amplify amplify that self-mastery to a point where we can enable others to create develop grow build and become masters in their own right i wonder how often i see that truly in business so it kind of got me thinking down that route and one of the core outputs of the data is that between very effective leaders and um, the most ineffective leaders the, the difference isn't huge in terms of topic mm. in fact there is one key topic and that's the people element but you know the technical capacity and capability and skill set was there in both sets so you know brilliant minds intellectually very capable but the gap came around integrity and people and, and people more than anything you know the ability to build a relationship of meaning mm. the ability to remain positive come what may the ability to hear and care about people and it, it seems that that difference is, is huge in terms of the resultant impact on whether a leader is effective or not to the extent that the, the the more reactive leaders those who are driven by a need for either you know compliance fitting in belonging or more of a controlling distance protection type approach that that whole that whole drive seems to find it the most challenging to um, connect with people in a way that is authentic and builds relationships now it doesn't mean that that leaders that are in that more reactive state don't contribute into the business far from it they often contribute um, massively but not from a leadership effectiveness perspective mm. so whilst their contribution may be measured as an output or, you know an achievement it, it it's not measured from a, a, a you know sustainable leadership perspective and that also got me thinking because we know that 
you know, we're in the midst of, of some pretty significant change and, and no one has any idea on what that looks like. And, you know, whether we're talking localised Brexit stuff, which is just seems to be dominating all of the news at the moment, or whether we're talking about climate change. Mm. All of that, all of those changes are going and are beginning to have an impact on what our life looks like. And if the difference between being good now and being good in the future is our ability to be an effective leader and, and connect with people at a deeper level, that suggests to me that we're talking about a mindset change. Mm, yeah. Now that's not quite so easy. You know, it, it's pretty tough from a leader point of view, learning skills. We know, you know, that takes quite a lot of effort. Yeah. but when it comes to connecting and showing vulnerability and admitting mistakes and and not demonstrating perfection and, and even potentially not being those super high achievers in fact letting go of my ego mm. to not being important as a person anymore that takes certainly for some people a lot of ego a lot of work sorry and and what was springing to mind was i can think of a number of very senior leaders who are defined by their work so their ego is tied up in their work and if we now say actually that identity is not true and you have to let go of your ego for you be you to be able to grow beyond where you are now otherwise we can predict what your future is going to look like because you're going to rerun the life that you've had so far. So any of those challenging patterns are just going to keep coming and coming and coming because you haven't changed your mindset. Mm. Well, yeah. we've got tough on both sides of the fence. Yes, very much so. Wow. So how do we change? And how do we change literally our mind to enable us to grow? Well, we know that the, there is this confusion very often between who's running the show. Because if we, if we behave in a certain way against a, a certain set of inner beliefs, well, the body kind of gets used to what happens. So, you know, I meet Joe, my boss, on a Monday morning. He's normally pretty angry with me. So therefore there is some anxiety as I go into this meeting. Well, I don't have to do that too many times before my body says, oh, there's Joe. We need to turn on anxiety. And, and what anxiety looks like from a body emotion perspective is, well, my gut has to twist a little bit and my chest has to feel a bit tight and heavy and my breathing has to become a little bit more difficult and a bit more laboured. And, and I notice my temperature changes. And then by the time I see Joe, actually, I can't get my words out properly because that's, that's how it is. And therefore, every time I, I, I see Joe, I'm, I'm kind of on this autopilot, except it's subconscious. Yeah. Now, everybody around me may notice that, oh, you know, Sue changes a little bit when she goes in to see Joe, but I have not noticed because it's my normal. Yeah. My, my normal with Joe is this automatic emotional reaction. Yeah. Now, at that point, my brain has ceased to be the master. In fact, it's become slave to the body who has become master. But the body only knows how to do what it's already done. 
yeah unless the brain shows it something different so it can only rerun the past again and again and again and if we don't know that then of course our tomorrow is predicted by what we did yesterday because as soon as the body runs the show the brain just does as it seems a bit like a very well educated dog that you just said sit beg and and that's what's happening so if we're going to change that then there is some habits to break and they're habits that we don't even know we have so this whole you know becoming super self-aware is really important you know if i tie that back to leadership you know if leadership is about self-mastery then self-awareness is about self-empowerment to lead us to mastery yeah there is a there is a process here mm. and one of the the most accessible i'm gonna i'm gonna leave the word easiest mm. because it's not easy mm. but at the same time it's not difficult and one of the most accessible ways to achieve a change of mindset and therefore ultimately enhance our leadership effectiveness is meditation mm-hmm. and the, the reason it's meditation is that we cannot even begin to become self-aware until we've quietened on the inside all the time we're responding to outside events well then the inside doesn't have a voice But when there's time and stillness and we we can get to a state of quiet, well then the brain waves will begin to slow and we can start to notice things that we may not have noticed before. So we can start to become aware of tightness in our chest or you know something going on in our gut or in our neck or you know things that we just thought well that's you know that's because I'm getting old. Whatever reason we have attributed to make it okay. So when you say the word meditation, sorry, Sue, I think there's a, a, a preconception that it means being a yogi and sat, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that, that those images that are conjured up by the word meditation create yeah. a block to meditating. So I just loved how you said about creating the space and going within that it can just be sim- as simple as that, just a little bit around that. Mm, absolutely, that's a, that's a very good point, Kate, actually, because, you know, it's very natural. And we all go into that meditative state just before we go to sleep, for example. You know, the route into sleep, that, that early stage in, whether it's very quick or, or quite lengthy, is in that kind of quiet space just because that's how the brain works and at other points you know if you think when there have been major incidents or trauma or crisis or disaster in your life there is always points where you'll seek space it seems as though there is this this very natural desire for some some personal internal space we've all We've all taken it and utilized it without necessarily being aware that we've utilized it. But it seems to take a really extreme situation for us to, you know, come up close and personal with it. And if we were going to look at, you know, what really is meditation? 
Well, it's about focus of the mind for a period of time linked to a purpose. Very simply, that's all it is. And, and how do I gain focus in a world that is eternally busy and has all these expectations of me? Well, one of the, one of the easiest routes there is to start to deny the senses. So put earplugs in or noise cancelling headphones, you know, put um, those, those things you get on airplanes to, to help you sleep, those eye patch things, you know, put one of those on sit somewhere where you're not distracted by external noise or smell you know don't be eating something or you know or wearing anything uncomfortable so find a comfortable chair this is not about being asleep though mm. you know when we are focused we have to be aware and watchful mm. so it's about retaining that you know awareness and, and watchfulness and then with intent focusing on, on whatever we need to focus on now if that's about increasing self-awareness then focusing with intent on what's going on in your body is a good place to start you know, go and have a look inside your gut from an inside point of view you know or if you've got a problem with an elbow or a joint go and have a look at it go quiet on the inside and just keep focusing until you get a sense of what's going on now, when I say go and have a look, I'm talking metaphorically. Mm. So just allow yourself to sense through whichever of the senses speaks to you to see what's going on. And you may well just find something that you were completely oblivious to. Not that was not going on before, but that you just hadn't noticed. By denying the senses, what we're also doing is preventing the outside world from influencing our thoughts. Because if we start to recognize the impact of the outside world on our thoughts, which when the brain is in the mastery role, then gets the body to respond emotionally through the chemicals it releases, so the body becomes a slave for a period of time, actually we're slave to whatever we're thinking about the outside world. So by denying the outside world and focusing just on the inside, which is where the power is, we begin to give ourselves a chance to move ourselves forward. Mm. Now, if we want to do some of that, that mindset changing, well, what we're needing to do is to combine intent from the mind with intent from the body. Now, why does that work? Well, because when those two come together very powerfully, we start to literally rewire our brains. The neural pathways just start to hard, hardwire together. There is, there is that old saying about neurons that fire together, wire together. Well, that's very true. Now, let me give you an example of how that auto wiring works. So if you're a coffee drinker or a bread eater, and you walk past a, a coffee shop or a bread shop and you have that strong sense of smell of fresh coffee or freshly baked bread. For most people, when they make that smell, when they notice that smell, they salivate. Now, we know that when we salivate, it's there for a purpose. 
However, when we walk past the coffee shop, we do not have the intention of stopping to buy coffee and we still salivate. Why is that? Because we're on autopilot. So actually, we're being fooled by a sense into creating a physical response. Well, when we start to focus on an intention and we put emotion with it, the brain doesn't know whether we are experiencing it for real or whether we are just making it up. And the more powerful the thought, the more powerful the feeling, the more real it feels to the brain and the more likely you are to hardwire a change in. So if we started to wonder what great leadership looked like and what that would feel like, and we begin to think about it, visualize it, feel it, we are starting to create some disruption in the way those neural pathways work. Now, it's not a substitute for skill. Of course it's not. But what it does do is enable us to take on any skill training that we may require more readily as opposed to just turning up, having the training, ticking the box, and then continuing as I did the day before I went because I'm in a habit. My dream for a long time now has been to help corporates to not only hit those performance numbers that they expect, but go far beyond those, but achieve that because people are in the right place to enable that to happen. So we have that level of connectedness. And the only way that's gonna happen with all of the changes that are occurring is if we move from that, that old achievement only mindset where numbers reign king to a numbers and mindset. And if we're gonna move there to a numbers and people mindset, we are gonna to need to quite literally change the mind of our leaders. Oh.